So hello everyone and welcome back to Folk on Falcons. I'm Philip Mundy and partnering me is Ian Joseph and this is episode two of our weekly Newcastle Falcons related podcast. Big thank you to everyone who listened in last week and gave us some positive feedback. Hopefully it won't last as long this week because A, we kind of know what we're doing and B, we haven't got all the transfers to talk about over the summer. First things first, we're really cool and trendy these days and we've got some social media. So we've got facebook.com slash Falcons. We've got a Twitter account, I guess, is it a handle or something like that you call it? I don't know. Um, like at Folk on Falcons. And then we've got an email address, which is folkonfalcons at mail.com. Not gmail.com, just mail.com. So on those, you can either tell us how rubbish we are and you wish we to do stuff differently, or if you've got anything which you'd like us to discuss, you can mention it. Or if there's constructive criticism, etc., we'd also be willing to hear. This week, we're going to briefly discuss the Ealing return fixture back at Kingston Park happened on Friday afternoon. Um, we'll look forward to Bath next week, have a little chat about our European Cup draw. We'll talk about Leicester and what's going on there. And then we'll finally finish off with the internationals, both the ones in the Northern Hemisphere, but also we'll very quickly touch upon the heroic performance by Argentina at the weekend. So without further ado, let's move on to our first feature, which will be the Ealing match. Unfortunately, for some reason, they had the cameras there, but they couldn't broadcast it. But the highlights have now gone out. And I know that Ian's got a few comments on the game itself, and I'll let him give you an overview of what happened. And Ian, I'll give a brief summary of kind of what we think went on based upon the Newcastle Falcons match report Twitter feed and normally they've released highlights but they didn't allow us to stream the game must be too technically difficult I don't know but yeah Ian far away what do we think yeah, well, it was a bit of a throwback to last season in the sense of trying to follow the game, wasn't it? Where you're trying to squeeze every morsel out of the Twitter feed. Uh, you know, just any sort of comment anyone may have on sort of Facebook or anything like that. Um, well, I suppose, first of all, well, at least it's the right result this time, wasn't it? Got there in the end. Um, still, I think a lot to kind of mull over and be a bit concerned about. It took until into stoppage time, the first half, didn't it? About 45 minutes, something like that, for actually to get on the board. And that was, even at that point, we were already a try behind so you know there seems to be still a, a lot of improvement needed there yes they managed to sort of pull away a bit in the second half is that definitely the case i thought we scored tries in the first half so yeah we did score a try in so they had a drinks break i think didn't they which then sort of added time on so um we, we did go leading in, in at half time but um first again our first try did take until sort of stoppage i've been calling that in rugby um at the end of the first half i, did, I remember on the twitter thing it, it did say oh 45 minutes or whatever i was like 45 minutes so i missed half time but no it's because they had a drinks break and maybe they just didn't stop the clock on or whatever but i mean they they did get the try before half time but the point is it took them well in, you know towards the end of the second half maybe the last sort of play of the game to actually register a try at home to ealing which is obviously you know it's concerning um as i say second half they managed to pull away a bit and even got a bit of a consolation at the end but just it's hard to tell from the twitter feed but it's just it's the same mistakes isn't it and richard's commented at the end of the game on his match comments you know saying oh well didn't play the referee where you sort of think you know oh, come on you know you your premiership players your professional players you should know you know how you know how a referee's going to referee the game after a few minutes and saying oh we didn't quite have our discipline and we, we couldn't quite get these things right and 
you know, it's a bit worrying, actually. I mean, we all know we've got Baff away next week, haven't we? And we can't be in a position where we go out there and we're just blown away straight away. And we, as we mentioned last week, we can't be in a position where we're miles adrift above the table either. And it's a bit worrying, even though the yeah. result was a bit better. Yeah, I guess one thing that was slightly more conundrum, it looked like our forwards were a bit more cohesive as a unit than that tries. They basically came through the forwards, didn't they? But it's a very big difference between Ealing's forwards and Bath's forwards in a week's time. Quite. And I remember on the Twitter as well, they would talk about, oh, Falcons are in the Ealing 22, and it'd be the usual sort of thing, you know, a knock-on or a bit of ill discipline. And it's just, as I mentioned, it's the same thing every week. And you could almost sort of copy and paste Dean Richard's comments in that regard. He always says the same thing, oh, we, you know, our discipline wasn't quite there, our execution wasn't quite there. And, you know, unfortunately, time's run out. I know they've got a week of training until Bath to try and sort of iron out these creases as much as they can. But I always think in a pre-season friendly, you can never use sort of ill-discipline and give away penalties as any sort of excuse or anything like that. Because, yes, I know in a proper competitive fixture, you're going to be under pressure. You're going to give away penalties, especially if you're an inferior team. You know, that's going to happen. Let, let's face it. As, you know, even the, the best disciplined teams in the world are going to give away something if they're under pressure. But... I do always believe that in a friendly match, you should be playing as if that's not going to happen. You, yeah. It's a perfect opportunity to sort of say, right, we do this as clean as possible to get in that mindset of absolute iron discipline going into you know, a huge season. And to, yeah. to kind of just slack, you know, get a slack mindset of, oh, well. The habit of giving away penalties. Because... Exactly. I mean, it's it's all very well giving away, as usual, giving away a penalty straight away from the kickoff, you know, in a, in a match against Ealing. But, you know, when we're back next week and going forward in the season, well, we can't do that. That's one of the reasons why we got relegated, just giving away silly points like that. Well, I guess uh, it's also worth noting overall that, I know it's two friendlies, but if it was a home and away link, we lost on aggregate. Um, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yes. A crass, crass comparison, but ultimately, mm. we shipped 50 points in two fixtures against a team that was supposedly better than. Interesting. Yeah, to, to it, it's true. I mean, and yes, I know we made the changes in the first game, and the first game was slightly different in terms of how they wanted to execute it, but it was the same for Ealing. So, you know, uh, yeah. we, we can't really use that as a sort of excuse to be calling that. Um, I think we just kind of have to accept, the, accept that result. Yes, it's a bit of a relief they won. The performance was what it was, just hopefully they can kind of pick up from that and take the positives and go forward, you know, yeah. into training this week and take it to Bath next weekend. Exactly. Moving on to Bath next week, um, 12.30 on Saturday on BT Sport, isn't it? That's uh, right, yeah. Which is annoyingly uh, for the fans the same time as the football. So is that, is that BT Sport as well? It's BT Sport as well. I mean, never BT Sport channel. Yeah, so um, unfortunately I'll split the North East support. It would be nice to have them spread over the afternoon, but hey-ho, um, we don't make the fixture list, do we? For the first half of the season, we're going to try out a feature called Hello Again, where we're going to touch upon the players that have moved between the two clubs. And the, the two obvious ones we've got are Josh Massavati going one way over the summer. And then Mickey Young used to play for Bath a few years ago, came back. And then we also wondered about whether Dave Wilson still exists or not. He, he's not officially left as far as we can tell, but I haven't seen him in the last year or so. and not sure. Do you know anything about him, Ian? I'm not sure we we were discussing this, weren't we, about whether he was, because when we were sort of coming up with the names, David Wilson obviously came up and we were thinking, hang on, you know, we haven't seen him sort of get around the pitch recently. Um, So, I mean, you know, we have our social media now. If anyone has any idea where David Wilson is or what he's currently up to or doing, then please do let us know, because, you know, we're none the wiser. Former, former England international is just kind of media blackout. There's nothing on the internet, as far as I can tell. Yeah, just got a face of the rugby world, hasn't he? Yeah, strange one. Yeah, so 
Matavesi, obviously, last year he was a very good player for us. And yeah, so it, it's kind of funny how you know these things work out in sport. So Matavesi's last game for us was, of course, in the away win against Ealing, where he scored that wonderful try as his last contribution oh, yeah. before being taken off injured. Remember, we were there to, to watch yeah. that. Um, and, you know, as it turns out, the next time we play against him is just after we play Ealing. So, you know, funny how I guess these things don't work out. And of course, the next time he plays us is just after we played Ealing. Um, I mean, he was always a very good player. I know they had that legal battle, didn't they, to, to get him to the Falcons initially. Um, he, I suppose the only downside was I think he was a bit injury prone, wasn't he? And some games he just kind of, you know, he wasn't quite there. Um, he, he, he was a very um, hot or cold player for, for exactly, me. Exactly, he, he was. He, he sometimes was. looked like he couldn't be bothered and just kind of wanted to go home if it got a bit cold or whatever. But other times, he was a really, really good player. He had the physicality and the, he also had a, a rugby brain as well. You could you could see watching him, he kind of knew where he should be if he if he could be bothered to get there. I remember last season thinking, oh, you know, we, he's one of these sort of X-factor players who should be a cut above, you know, in that league and will really kind of propel us up and kind of obviously get straight back in the Premiership. I mean, as it turns out, he was injured for a lot this season. Then, of course, he got injured against Ealing and that was the, the last we saw of him. But, I mean, to all accounts... He played for Bath at the end of last year, didn't he? And he did, he, yeah. He put in a couple of solid performances. And I, I know he... Um, that some of the Bath fans recall quite a good dummy he threw and he puts one through a mm. gap. But, um, yeah, interesting just to see whether, firstly, whether he's going to be playing. I, I'm not sure he'll be starting. Yeah, it'd be nice just to see him. Yeah, I, just, I, I think first. he's done well. He's had some well for Bath, hasn't he? I think at uh, the end yeah. of last season, he, he was a positive asset for them, wasn't he? He got a lot of mentions in it, good solid performances in midfield. And then, obviously, Mickey Young went to Bath for a period, been at Falcons for a number of years again now. Um, I don't think Bath are going to be too sad to see him up against them, are they? No, I don't think so. You sort of, only sort of forget he went, don't you? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think he made much of an impression there, did he? Which is obviously why he came back to us in the end. Uh, but yeah, I think, I mean, I'm sure Bath supporters do just about remember him, but I don't think they'll be losing any sleep, will they? Um, and then I guess we should probably start some sort of tally of who's going to guess the right scores each week. I'm thinking that probably next week we're going to be about... I don't know. I think we're going to lose 32-12 next week. What do you reckon, Ian? Oh, it's always like you read my mind. I was actually thinking 33-10. So, uh, uh, well, well, we've we've got similar levels. We'll see who's ever so slightly closer, I guess. We can always mark it down as a draw. I guess that's all there is to say about Falcons, other than, oh, with regards to matches coming up and playing. But then we've also got the European draw that's been made, haven't we? We do, yeah. So that was actually sort of under the radar almost, wasn't it, on Friday, uh, where we've been drawn in a, a quite a tough group, actually, I think, on the face of it, of Castra and Cardiff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, both teams sort of doing solidly enough. They're both sort of solid mid-table in their respective leagues. Uh, I mean, they're going to be tough. I think it's going to be... It's not our priority, is it? I mean, we're, we always sometimes pick up some good wins in Europe. We often get to the, the later stages. Um, I think if they'll use the opportunity to kind of play the squad, won't they? Yeah, the first match in Europe against Cardiff is the 11th of December. That's at home at Kingston Park. Um, it's going to be on S4C, which is the channel that broadcasts in the Welsh language, so probably may as well listen to it with the sound off. Following weekend on the 18th, we are on, is it BN Sports or Bain Sports or whatever? So That's right, yeah. Funny channels, I don't know quite how it's on various subscriptions or Sky or whatever, but that's on the 18th. Uh, so they're consecutive weekends. Then in January, sorry, that one's away at Castro. Then in January, we're at home against Castro on the 16th of January. And the following weekend, we are away to Cardiff. Um, potentially, Cardiff could be a, 
a match we could potentially go to. Who knows? This is a good city to spend a weekend in. I guess it massively depends just what the the restrictions are at that point in time. But they, they are consecutive weekends both times, so I fully see that Dean Richards will use it as an opportunity to rest players and play the squad. Yeah, uh, hopefully we can have a good uh, weekend out in Wales. I remember uh, we had a really good win in Europe there a few seasons ago, didn't we? In a mud-drenched Rodney, was it Rodney Parade, uh, where they beat, uh, uh, was it, was, I think it was Newport, wasn't it? We always seem to get drawn against Newport and various things. Yeah, they had a really good win, sort of absolutely drenched in mud down there. I remember that a few years ago. Yeah? The Challenge Cup draw is a very strange one. They have 14 teams, uh, basically the bottom half of each of the the kind of the leagues. You've got the Celtic League, the French League and the English League. These 14 teams, the Falcons are playing against Cardiff and Castra and they've, they've broken the 14 teams down to this weird arrangement where they've each got their own kind of mini pool but then all the points get thrown in at the end and the top eight end up staying in the competition and the, the bottom six get knocked out. The top eight don't go straight into a quarterfinal. They go into a last 16 because you've got the, the ones that get kicked out the Heineken Cup joining. So you end up in a position where the first placed team within the Challenge Cup will play against the worst team dropping out of the Heineken Cup. The second best team in the Challenge Cup will be drawn against the second worst team in the Heineken Cup and so on. So that you've got the, the worst of the eight qualifiers in the Challenge Cup playing the eighth worst team, i.e. the best team to have dropped down out of the Highland Cup, which to me makes it seem that unless for some reason you think you're extremely good and you should have, by right, been in the Highland Cup, but for some bizarre reason you weren't, there's not really much point in bothering with it because you're going to get battered at some point by a very good team. And I, I, I don't know, I just see that for the lower ranked teams from each of the nations I just can't see bothering that much really yeah I mean it's I think we kind of touched it in a way didn't we about saying we'll probably play the squad um it's something you kind of just hit note with isn't it really you play your squad you pick up the results and if you get through well whatever then, then so be it but I don't think for anyone in sort of our position it's a priority at all is it it'd be nice if we get a few scalps like we got in Toulon a couple of years ago but it's a different competition. It's a tier down, and it's just fixtures basically. And you can't blame anyone for for preserving the squad and letting people recover. Moving on to other club rugby in England, Leicester Tigers. They're not in a good spot at the minute, are they? Absolutely not. They've had a, their director of rugby, Jordan Murphy, is now left them. Jordan Murphy allegedly left by mutual consent. I don't see it being mutual, but it's a very sh- big shame actually after 23 years for him to to leave a club where he has been an excellent servant. He's mm. played there at the highest level, been an extremely good player, then stayed on the coach, then become their head coach, and he's left in kind of a not terribly good way the week before the league starts. Um, also worth noting over the summer that the scrum coach, Stankovic, their attacking coach, Rob Taylor, and also non-executive director, Rory Underwood, also left over the summer. And Steve Borthwick will become their fifth manager in four years. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't sound good there. And I guess what doesn't sound good for Leicester Tigers is probably good news for us. Well, well, we hope so. I mean, there's obviously, I think it's been obvious for a few years now, hasn't there? There's been some serious problems at Leicester. Um, there's just been a very, very gradual decline. Uh, I think maybe in terms of poor appointments in the coaching area, some of the player signings haven't worked out. I think they get particularly hit hard in terms of their internationals leaving. Players who do obviously replace those in the Premiership games just 
just haven't been as good. And I think, I mean, I know other clubs have that, but I think they in particular have really struggled with that, as it seems. Um, so, yeah, there's some real, real sort of serious problems there. And I think also another thing which is worth considering is that Leicester generally get very big crowds, don't they? And, of course, playing behind closed doors, I think that's going to really, really hurt them in a way which I guess for I suppose clubs like the Falcons, yes, of course, we'll miss the, the gate revenue and all the match day revenue that obviously generates. But I think Leicester, because their business model is based on getting much, much higher crowds, is going to be really hit hard. And it's, I mean, it's, if you're a Leicester fan, it must be a bit odd, but it must be very worrying. Uh, I, I don't think they've been in this position for, for decades, have they? Or if, certainly in the professional era, it must be very strange for them. But yeah, it's obviously some very serious problems going on there, isn't there? Yeah, but what, what amazes me is that um, Falcons are four to six on to get relegated. I think it's a bit harsh, but kind of see where the bookies are coming from. But Leicester are 16 to one to be relegated. I don't gamble myself, but... I guess if you did gamble, I think it's well worth a punt if you're 16 to 1 for Leicester getting relegated. The way they've played the last two seasons, I think, would be mad. Not a tower punt, really. Yeah, uh, some of those odds were sort of. I mean, yeah, we were sort of in a batch with London Irish and Worcester, weren't we? Which you would expect as, as well. Yeah, we but, were yeah. 4 to 6, and the other ones were something to 1. So we were still quite heavily more favourites to go down, which I. I understand it, but I think it's a, it's a bit harsh and maybe the, the buggies haven't quite looked at the actual quality of some of the teams, but who uh, knows? I mean, maybe maybe there's factor in all, you know, all, all the various things going on in terms of the fact we haven't played for months and we've probably, I'm trying not to be bad, so we probably do have the weakest squad and maybe, maybe all the other factors kind of contribute to the fact we, we are favourites. I think it's right with favourites. I mean, I suppose each bookies could vary their odds on, on the favourites, but at the end of the day, I think we probably are favourites. Uh, but, you know, hopefully as the games go on, that'll change change won't it that's all we can hope for isn't it yeah well we've, we've traditionally started off poorly and then done all right for a while so let's just hope that with the autumn internationals going on we can kind of make the best out of the first two or three weeks while the clubs are weakened and then keep whatever position we manage to get to going for the rest of the year so moving on to the autumn internationals a bit of a joke really i think <laughs> i don't think anyone's really up for it um the players didn't seem to be up for it or well, actually the first five minutes of the Wales Ireland game, there's a couple of bits where you had the like the now customary pushing, cuddling, shoving, whatever you want to call it. Obviously no punches thrown, but then apart from that the whole weekend was pretty tame in terms of aggression or physicality. I didn't really see a great deal of desire from any of the teams really yeah well i think it probably didn't help in terms of the fixture list itself because you, you had i suppose of wales being so poor at the moment you, you know you always had a team which you thought were absolute clear favorites didn't you in, in in all the games um but yeah i mean we discussed it last week didn't we i think we just sort of feel that the competition's there to sort of plug a gap maybe make a bit of money for the various unions um and just kind of get a bit of international you know, game time um i mean some of the games were entertaining enough i mean it was funny to see that... almost do one over scotland but you know obviously that's their usual way they sort of fell away towards the end yeah but it was nice to see them uh score a very nice try with actual decent backs play which makes strange um not seen that much from italy over the years but hopefully they can start um doing that a bit more often and basically in the Six Nations the last few years they've embarrassed themselves and mm. they gave Scotland a good run for their money so fingers crossed they keep their policy up but who knows it'll be interesting to note who finishes bottom of the, the group with the Fiji-France game being postponed because it could be that Georgia could have a match against Italy but who knows what's really going to happen there yeah if we move on to Fiji-France I can't help but laugh at this the autumn internationals have been rearranged so we've got this bizarre cup competition and they've been rearranged because of coronavirus. Japan were meant to be playing in the tournament, but then couldn't because of coronavirus. 
a fortnight ago, Fiji had coronavirus in their squad, and then the match was cancelled because of coronavirus, and it transpires that there's not actually a mechanism in place for determining what on earth happens in the eventuality that a match is abandoned because of coronavirus. I, I can't think of how somebody has organised this tournament in a way that that's happened. On Monday, that's tomorrow, to Sunday now, the powers that be are going to get together and do a good bit of match fixing and decide what the result should be, which... It just seems ridiculous to me that after all the weekend's games have been played, a committee of people are going to decide what the Fiji-France scoreline should be. Um, does France get a bonus point? It seems logical that Fiji should forfeit the game, given that they've caused it to be abandoned. But if France had had to forfeit, would Fiji have won with a bonus point? Because surely it's got to be fair for both teams. It just seems ridiculous, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, it kind of lends sort of thought to the idea that it was kind of just sort of shoehorned in, you know, people just kind of sat down at the table and sort of, right, how are we going to get some internationals going? And they sort of, they obviously missed out some sort of, you would have thought, possible eventualities like oh, getting coronavirus. I wouldn't say uh, possible, I'd say probable eventuality. For well, quite. Uh, but yeah, it all seems a bit of a mess and I, I don't know, it just kind of shows that maybe this isn't, people aren't really taking this tournament that seriously. I mean, I know it's a bit of silverware at the end of it and, you know, it'd be nice to win another trophy, etc. Etc. But yeah, it's a bit of a farce, really, isn't it? Um, just when um, when there was the whole hoo ha about matches potentially having to get abandoned, and mm. if you remember that Scotland were throwing the toys out the pram big time about their match with Japan, claiming it was going to be a fix and all this, and then they in the end they played Japan and got battered by them. But if you remember also in that World Cup that New Zealand Italy was actually abandoned, and in that match they awarded basically they just cancelled the match and said. New Zealand are going through top of the group. But what they didn't know was that Italy, if they had have beaten New Zealand with a bonus point, would have actually qualified at the expense of New Zealand. So effectively what they're saying in the World Cup is we're just going to basically use rankings and then the matches are kind of a, a nice little extra. And you'd have thought following the World Cup that they would have had one of these things written into any sort of competition as to what happens in the eventuality of abandonment. So I guess when we're talking about um, nice to see Italy doing a bit better and potentially, or well, the, the Georgian game against England was a bit, bit of a waste of time, really. The the Georgian pack were all right. I probably said they, they weren't as good as they'd been cracked up as being. Um, they, they held their ground, but they, they probably weren't quite as good as England's, but Georgian backs just weren't really there, unfortunately. No, it's sort of not existed word there, but there was a, I mean, I, I actually genuinely thought switching it on we would win 50 nil. I think if it wasn't for the weather then they may well have done that but there was also interesting a bit of history between the two teams because I know Georgia went to an England training session I think invited by Eddie Jones to kind of test out the, the English scrum and they had all sort of fisticuffs well and that's big punch up because they yeah, uh, that's right, yeah. trampled all over us in the first scrum drill didn't they yeah similar like so I think they're very keen to sort of get one over them and, and they mentioned that didn't they on, on the commentary for those who watched on um, Amazon Prime um, saying that I think England were very keen to kind of take Georgia head on the scrum to if anything sort of prove a point um, and, and they did that didn't they I mean they were, they were dominant in the scrum they were dominant everywhere weren't they um, to every fair play to Georgia they made a really good account of themselves to keep the score no no for as long as they did they defended really well um, obviously looked very up for it were well organised but you know, it was only going to be a matter of time and they did tire. And I think after half time, they had a bit of, maybe got a bit of a rest and a nice sit down or whatever. And they came out again and I think half was scoreless for a good bit of time, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. They were strong in the early part of the second half again. And actually, I thought as the second half went on, their back sort of came into a bit more. I know obviously the result was long gone, but it was only sort of flourish. I don't think they managed to string many phases together until, you know, almost the end of the match, um, which again, I mean, I know the, the result was well over by then, but. 
Yeah, I mean, you can beat what's in front of you. They put in a decent performance. We wanted the next game in Thailand next week, and for Georgia, it's a, it's a good experience. I mean, I don't, I don't think we've ever played Georgia at Twickenham, have we? It's you know when, when Georgia have played England, certainly their their first team many times, and it's a good experience. I mean, Georgia would be keen to sort of. I think that's one good thing about this competition. It does give a team like Georgia more than anyone, I think, uh, the chance to sort of play against the real top-tier nations. They need um, that sort of exposure, don't they? They, they, they so, do, because they were saying, don't judge us on the performance of this tournament because, you know, presumably they are going to get well beaten. But, you know, see how well we do, for, you know, because of the experience of this tournament. Um, and yeah. it'd be interesting going forward. I mean, we all want to see World Rugby kind of get their act together and help out, you know, like your Japans and Georgias and kind of get them more involved in tier one tournaments but um georgia kind of have to help themselves i think and really really use this opportunity to kind of put themselves in the window and show that we, we can compete it makes it quite clear that the depth that you get from professionalism is essential um georgia's first eight in the pack quite good their backs were average um but they didn't have the the bench to bring on to keep it even vaguely competitive in the the whole match and i think that kind of there's a few parallels you can draw with Argentina and then like probably 15 20 years ago Argentina were kind of one of these teams where they could put on a bit of a show but they basically got beaten every single time by a better nation but then I remember it must have been the 2003 World Cup though a bit handy then 2007 was there they want to shine where they ruined the French party and Mm. Uh, the first game of the tournament and also I think the third fourth place playoff I remember rightly they routed the French then and then they've since then basically justified them getting more and more what's, what's the right word for it? sort of recognition i think for, yeah yeah uh, for yeah they've justified themselves getting more and more recognition and they now play in the tournament against south africanese and australia um and i guess it goes to show um these sorts of things are worthwhile when you look at the result that argentina managed to get against new zealand at the weekend what are your thoughts on that yeah, I yeah, mean, I it was quite exceptional, wasn't it? it definitely didn't, I don't think anyone saw that coming, but it just goes to show with sports and as these things happen. But yeah, I mean, after a bit, I don't remember lying, I didn't actually watch it, but I've watched the highlights uh, that were on Sky later on. And, you know, they were very good. Um, They're very organised, very, very disciplined, you know, things that we're hoping the Falcons can replicate. Um, Didn't really give New Zealand anything. New Zealand sort of huffed and puffed a bit. Um, I think maybe... You know, the weekly battles against Australia is maybe having a bit of a toll, though. It's their first, they've had two defeats in a row now in yeah. that many years, but it's a long time. And, you know, it's, and where Australia were particularly strong was in the centres of, of course, one Orlando, who seemed to be Falcons player, putting an absolutely stellar performance by the looks of it. Played the full 80 minutes, didn't he? That's right, yeah. Fingers crossed he keeps that going into the Premiership when he's back. Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of forget about him, don't we? Because we, we sort of look at the squad and think, well, you know, where's the real quality? Where's the real sort of X-factor player? Which I suppose over the years the Falcons have had in one way or another. And I suppose he's really it. I mean, it's a bit of a shame, I suppose, he won't come to the, well, he won't come to England and start the Premiership until, you know, the current internationals are all finished. But, you know, he, he looks like a, a real player. I mean, we thought he probably would be. But, I mean, if he can replicate that performance against New Zealand, you know, at least sort of most weeks, we could be in a really good chance to get some really good results you know with, with him bashing it up in the midfield yeah let's hope so i guess that kind of summarizes all that we had on the agenda this weekend is there any final comments that you've got 
Um, I suppose just, I guess, looking forward to Bath next week. Um, I think it's worth sort of talking about, you know, if we are going to pick something up from there. Um, it's really about what we've talked about in terms of the, the discipline. And we obviously we're very Falcon centric, but if we flip it and look at the Bath point of view, they're going to see Newcastle Falcons first fixture of the season. And if you're Bath supporter, player, coaching staff, you think we want to finish minimum top six of the season, try and get top four, they will see Falcons as you know, all right, there's five points there, or at least the pressure will be on for them to do that. So, you know, yes, we can be a bit negative and it's going to be daunting, but we can use that to our advantage. If we can kind of, you know, be disciplined, get in their faces, cause trouble for them, we could really get something out of Bath, especially, I know they've played a lot more than we have, but it's, again, it's the first game back and in many ways the pressure is on them. So I'm really hoping that Falcons can sort of turn that around and we can get something from there. Yeah, I think that that's completely right. And we just got to hope we go out with a spring in our step and take it to them and just try and show that we are a premiership outfit. We know we can be. Exactly. Let's throw down the gauntlet, shall we? That's all for this week. Um, and thanks for listening. And cheerio. Bye, everyone.